Before you go any further, just letting you know that we will be doing these episode previews every Sunday. About 15 to 20 minutes of our Patreon-only podcast that we do every single week. If you are interested, please go check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Enjoy the preview. Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. And what's up, Keyholers? How are we doing today? It's Saturday, so uh, we're going to give you some content because it's the offseason, and we we want OU stuff. I want OU stuff, and some of my podcasts are very stubborn that I listen to, and they're like, no, we're only going to do podcasts on Tuesdays or Sundays or Wednesdays, and there's nothing you can do about that, so I have to just sit there and wait. So I'm, I'm going to try and do my best uh, for our patrons, for our friends, to give them some OU content to munch on. Um, as much as possible. So hopefully you've already listened to the Tuesday pod on the free, on the freeway, um, read up all the fun stuff on the Patreon page from Alan, from myself. Uh, maybe Peyton's done something because I mean, obviously I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So maybe in the interim, maybe Peyton has uh, written a film breakdown, but I'm not holding it against, not holding up, up to it. Cause we haven't really talked about it. But speaking of Peyton, I, I got his not wedding invitation, but I got his uh, reception invitation so patrons for the if you want to if you want to get into that too that's twenty dollars a month if you want to get invited to peyton's uh wedding reception thing in durant oklahoma so twenty dollars a month if you want to do that just kidding peyton but everybody i thought the season just ended let's have some fun with it kind of general conversation as much as you can maybe talk about some transfer portal stuff maybe talk about some just off the wall stuff it's the off season it's the time to do this and i thought well it's probably best to go back to the beginning. And for our keyhole listeners that have been with us since the days of Inside OU, and this would have been back in, ooh, 2018, 2019. I can't exactly remember. I think it might have been 2019 going into the season for Jalen Hurts because I remember talking to this uh, my my guest today. I remember talking to my guest who was the uh, the main host of the Inside OU podcast. I was the guest host or the co-host or whatever you want to call it. But I remember talking to this, uh, to this gentleman about, Hey, they might have a package for a Spencer Rattler to come off the bench when Jalen hurts is on the field at quarterback. So you have two quarterbacks on the field. That'd be, that would be something. But I remember telling you that John and everybody is, it's John Hoover. Yay. John Hoover's here. He's back on the podcast he started off with, but, um, 
those were some early podcast days for you, John. Um, was that the was this the <laughs> first podcast you had ever like consistently done? Was the one that we did? Yes. Yeah, that and the Locked On Sooners podcast. Yeah. Uh, doing those two simultaneously was fun. And so, look how far you've come. Well, I don't know about <laughs> that. I, I used to have a radio career. Now I don't. So what's the point of podcasting? I can't uh, promote my podcast on the radio like I used to. So it's just, uh, no, I'm, I'm totally kidding. The, uh, the All Sooners podcast, uh, which is an offshoot of allsooners.com, has absolutely blown up. Um, so, yeah, super happy with that. It's like uh, it was like the early days of radio for me and the early days of podcasting felt like being stuck in a, a Nepalese prison. Ooh, as as a as a billionaire uh, philanthropist uh, playboy, uh, it was practice. It was practice. I was Bruce Wayne, and that was practice. Exactly. I mean, it, it, I was getting my butt kicked every day, but it was practice for me being Batman. Batman now, as I sit in my little bat cave. Yeah, I mean, those were the those were at least for me. Those were like the OG franchise days because this was like right before yeah. I joined the franchise and when I would listen to it every day. Now I don't listen to it at all. So piss off, Matt. Bird, <laughs> oh, <come> on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, and then I I joined the station and I just remember thinking like, well, I mean, they hired me to do like Thunder coverage and I love that to death. I miss that. I mean, I especially miss it now since the Thunder are like awesome <laughs> and probably the best team in the NBA at least right now. It's January. Who knows? But I do remember thinking, like, I, I need to try to involve myself in some way, shape, or form with with Hoover. I mean, I'm a huge OU fan. I don't want to cover OU football like John does. Like, it's just it would be it would be awkward to say Mike Stoops sucks and then put a camera in his face and ask him like a straight up normal <laughs> question. You know, it's like because I, I want to know part of that. But I thought, well, let me try to get podcasts into the uh, the atmosphere here at Tyler Media, and I just kind of. Once I got the green light, I was like, I want to do a podcast with John. And, you know, the, the big wigs at um, the franchise were like, cool, I don't care. And then, boom, we did Inside OU, and it morphed into what it is now through the keyhole. And so um, it, it's, I mean, with all Sooners, I mean, John, I mean, I'll tell you this, I, I'm not kissing your ass, but for OU fans that I would imagine to our patrons that are, you know, with, with us at keyhole, I, I assume that they consume all Sooners content a lot because you guys are just, Anytime I have a question, I know I can just go to your website and find like, okay, so they did they did do a story about all the early enrollees who practiced in the bowl for uh, for the Alamo Bowl. Like I can find that I can find that information. But like the work that you guys have done is, um, I mean, it's really awesome to see, and I'm glad that you guys are having some success during uh, during the season and even into the off season, hopefully. Yeah, man. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. I know I've I've been lucky and and got uh, gotten uh, the opportunity to to bring on a, a crack staff, as you know, Ryan Chapman, uh, Randall Sweet are my two main guys. I've got a part timer in Ross Lovelace. He's in New Orleans right now, but he's he helps out. It's invaluable to have uh, good people who know the source material that you can trust, and that's what I've got in the staff that I have. So yeah, we've we've taken it from the early days of just me to me and Parker to, uh, gosh, who was it? Me and Ryan to me and Ryan and Josh. And now we, this year we were able to have five got five people working at the same time on the website. So growth and, uh, immeasurable gratitude are, are the two things that I, I feel uh, when I talk about all sooners.com. 
Yeah, it's like you got it's like you're a head coach and you're just losing your offensive coordinators every two seasons. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> but but then you got to replace them. And that's Ryan, Ryan's been calling plays for me since uh, the uh, since the the Spencer Rattler Cotton Bowl. So I'm, <laughs> I've been blessed. He's my right hand man. Uh, I mean, he better, I mean, he better keep it up. Cause uh, I mean, the OU <laughs> fan base is unforgivable. I mean, we already had people in the first quarter saying, I don't know about Seth Luttrell right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> even, even though you have an 18 year old quarterback and here's your segue into OU football talk, everybody. Um, even though you had like an 18 year old quarterback making his first true, I mean, his first start, this was his first real crack at legitimate snaps, not discounting the BYU game where he was, basically asked to hold on knowing what we know and just kind of the context of that game, just like, don't screw up, just do your thing, run the offense and we'll get out here with a win. Um, you know, even with all that, I will say, John, like, and I'll just, we'll kind of start off with just Jackson Arnold talk here. Um, I will say in the immediate aftermath of the game, I was super hyper-focused on the handful of mistakes that the kid made. And I, I and I it had really little to do with the interceptions. You know, the third pick was bad. The first two, I can kind of forgive because this is new to him. Once he acclimated to the game, he started to kick ass after those two interceptions. The fumble, of course, that's bad protection. But I, I do remember, like, immediately after the game, just thinking, I don't like how he stood in the pocket for too long because some of those holds were on him or some of those sacks were on him just kind of standing there. I appreciate that he's not panicking, but I need him to get rid of the football. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, a week and a half or so after the, after the fact, I'm starting more and more to just not necessarily care about those plays because now that we've seen, you know, the playoff games, the season's getting a little bit further into the rear view mirror. I'm starting to focus on exactly what I just mentioned, which was after those first two picks and everything settled down for him, that's the Jackson Oral that I think we can expect to see moving forward. And those mistakes that we saw in the Alamo Bowl ideally become less and less frequent as he gets more reps under his belt because he's going to have another spring. I mean, he's had bowl practices, which is essentially a spring in, in, in terms of the amount of practices he'll have this spring, summer and fall. So I hope that that's the trajectory, but I'm wondering if you had maybe a similar take on Jackson now that, you know, we're two weeks removed from the Alamo bowl. Yeah. The, the take that I have on Jackson and his performance specific to the Alamo bowl was that he was, uh, if you look at the, the interceptions, the two interceptions early, um, and a couple of, uh, a couple of other throws that were, you know, they were, they were, they were baiting him. They were, waiting on him to throw it they were camping on um drake stoops what it looked like was he was not prepared for the amount of speed that was coming at him he was not uh, the the adjustment that comes from high school johnny five star playing in 6a gatorade player of the year to playing for the university of oklahoma in a bowl game the the amount of speed that the 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 level of game speed that happens and the level of closing speed that those corners now have you can't float a pass in there. You can't just feather one or touch it in and and hope that uh, you know you, that your receiver comes back for the ball if it's a tight play. I think he learned that. I think he was shocked a little bit early on, like crap. I thought that that throw was there, and he'll look at it on film and he'll break it down with the coordinator and the coach. They'll look at it and they'll say, "See what you need to do right here is fire that thing in there. When you see that receiver break open, fire it before he before he gets his head around." You know, these are things that come with repetition. These are things that will come to him with repetition. He's got all the tools. We know that. 
And you could see it in the second and third quarter. I think uh, seven, I'm going off the top of my head here, something like 17 of 29, 279 yards in the second and third quarter. Deep ball was good. Reading the defense was good. Feeling the pressure, uh, manipulating the pocket, all that stuff was good in the second and third quarter. Fourth quarter, here comes Arizona. They change up their pressures a little bit, change up their coverages a little bit. He starts having to hold on to the football a little bit more. Excuse me. And you don't see uh, – you, you did see, I should say, you clearly see him not look at that uh, underneath linebacker on that third interception. And then the the fumble, uh, a product of late-game pressures that's, you know, they're they're sending everybody and, and making him make a play. And so I, I don't really think the fumble was much on him. Um, something my wife was sitting at home watching. She loves sports, and she watches the hell out of football and basketball and everything else. She's in the other room watching Thunder right now. Um, she said he's not processing the game real quickly. He's not like first receiver, second receiver, third receiver, going through his progressions and delivering the football. Um, and this is, again, her sitting home watching the game on TV. Uh, in the press box, you can see the same things because at the Alamo Dome, the you're low to the field and everything's wide open. There's no obstructions. You can see the defense is doing one thing and the offense is reacting. So I thought she was right about that. He didn't process early on. Um, but once he realized, and you could see he plants that back foot, takes that step, delivers the ball on time. He's really good. He's one of those quarterbacks that is going to, um, when we're when we're assessing big plays and big numbers and big careers, he's going to be one of those guys that we that we measure up with, uh, you know, Sam Bradford and Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and Landry Jones and all those other quarterbacks that have put up huge numbers throughout the years, Jason White and so on and so forth. He's going to be one of those guys. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, and I mean, for the most part, I don't really like sitting after the fact and saying, well, if X, Y, and Z, if you remove that from the equation, then OU wins. I mean, that that's easy to feel in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are times where that does apply. Like, again, I've dogpiled on him enough. If Jaleel Farouk doesn't fumble, you know, inside yeah. the, the 20 twice, and one of them yeah. being re- a return for a touchdown, I mean, OU probably, they probably win the game, especially on that Com- second. I think comfortably. I think yeah. they win comfortably if those two fumbles don't happen. Exactly. So I'm going to be a hypocrite and just say, well, is it <laughs> is it un, is it just kind of fanboyish to just lock in on that second and third quarter run uh, deep into the third quarter of Jackson Arnold and say that's like that was indicative of what we are going to see more frequently moving forward? Um, because, again, that that takes away the first quarter disaster and the fourth quarter where the offense just got absolutely stuck in the mud. I mean, Jackson Arnold did that. I mean, the offense did that, so they have to own it. But you just, I feel like given all the circumstances and given what we know about how talented he is and how, okay, the offensive line is going to be a little bit more fully realized in 2024 than it was for this game. Um, Guys will be in different spots across the board. It'll be a different environment. Just everything's going to be different and ideally better so is it still fanboyish of me to just hyper lock on that second and third quarter and think that is more indicative of his play